Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. Hey everyone, welcome to Unleashed. Olivia Harlan Decker here, and we've got a little bit different of a show for you today. Like the rest of the sports world and beyond, our thoughts continue to be with Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin. I think a lot of us are still processing our thoughts from something pretty unprecedented we've never seen on a football field. Jerry and I spoke, and he will be taking this week off. So as we continue to send our prayers up for Damar and his family, it's a huge reminder that these are human beings playing this game that we love so much that we love to talk about every week. Like all of you, I'm hoping for a report that Damar will be okay. Sounds like some good reports are coming out of his camp now. And despite this awful situation, it's really been incredible to see some humanity, some generosity, outpouring of love from fans and media who have already donated millions of dollars to Damar Hamlin's Chasing M's charity. If you want to look into that and donate, that'd be a really great way to honor him right now. If you want to contribute for his local community in Pittsburgh, that's really great. There's a GoFundMe page. And with Heavy Hearts, we've got a different show this week, shorter show this week, all focused on the College Football National Championship that is coming up. Welcome to 2023. We have a great National Championship preview episode today as my Georgia Bulldogs take on the TCU Horned Frogs Monday night, Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium. It is going to be so much fun. Georgia opens as a 13 and a half point favorite. Now it's down to 13 as I'm recording on Tuesday. You can also take Georgia minus 500 money line if you're interested in that. Look, we saw the overhit in both semifinal games, so Everyone's amped about that bet again. It's 62 and a half is the point total right now. And 90% of the handle is on the over so far. So everyone's liking that. You know, with a championship game, so many people don't have a dog in the fight. So that's a common bet. They just want to see a lot of offense taking the over. And I'm going to as well. I can't wait Monday night to help us out and preview the big game. We're bringing in 
SI's Pat Forty. If you're a loyal listener, you'll remember he was on earlier in the season. He's fantastic. Senior writer, college football. He's also got a podcast. He's all over college football. He knows it all. So it'll be fun to hear about the Georgia OSU semifinal game because he was covering that one and pick his brain on the national championship before we place our bets. I gotta gotta do better this time. Unprecedented semifinal games though on New Year's Eve. Only three of the 16 playoff games that have ever been played in history of the college football playoff, obviously it's not long, they had been decided by one possession or less. That's only three of them. Look, I'm thrilled. My Bulldogs got out of there with a win over the Buckeyes, but from a sportsbook perspective, it would have been really great to have a team, the team from Ohio, get in the championship because sports betting was just legalized in the state. So Welcome to the party, Ohio. Sports obsessed state. I used to live in Cleveland when my husband played for the Cavs. Those fans of their teams, they are so good. So that is a beautiful marriage now that sports gambling is in Ohio. Okay, let's break down both of the New Year's Eve college football semifinal games. First up, Fiesta Bowl. Eight-point underdog TCU. They battle it out. They never trail to a stout Michigan game in an absolute shootout. Horn Frogs win 51-45. That's 96 combined points if you're doing the math. I still can't believe it. 44 points alone were scored in the third quarter. And Michigan's defense had been so good all season. They'd held opponents to like 14 points per game, 13, something like that all season. They were incredible, but they could not defend Max Duggan, who, by the way, started the season as the backup to a walk-on at TCU. Just incredible. All their explosive, big chunk plays, they were like unstoppable. And Michigan offensively, they couldn't score in the red zone. And quarterback J.J. McCarthy threw two pick sixes. You're just not going to win like that. Okay, over to the Peach Bowl for Georgia, Ohio State. The Bulldogs may have played one of their worst games in the past two years. Seriously. I mean, Stetson Bennett did not look like himself. He looked nervous. By the way, something a lot of people don't realize about Stetson Bennett, this is going to blow your mind just like it blew mine. He's the same age as Lamar Jackson. Let that sink in for a minute. We have one more game of Stetson Bennett. Monday night, SoFi Stadium. It's going to be so good. Uh, Somehow, the dogs just rallied to beat the Buckeyes. 42-41. Stetson Bennett, really, at the end of it, though, his numbers were good. Gutsy coaching all around on both sides. There was nothing held back. It was just a joy to watch. But Ohio State really had control of the game. They were up 38-24 in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter. Quarterback C.J. Stroud was amazing. Um, I heard that they did like 1,500 reps offensively preparing for this game. They were just incredible. Uh, They were prepared. They were well-coached. All these things that we did not see a couple weeks ago, last time we saw Ohio State against Michigan. So this was a completely different Buckeye team. And they lost players throughout the game. They still had a shot on the leg of their kicker. 50-yard field goal, though, guys. I'm not sure how fair that is for a college kicker with the national championship berth on the line. He missed the 50-yard kick at the stroke of midnight. I know you've heard it because everyone's using this term, but it's so good I have to use it too. He kicked the ball in 2022. It landed in 2023. Okay, now that we've set the table, let's bring in our guest, Sports Illustrated senior writer Pat Forty. Okay, Pat, before we get into the matchups, for the casual college football fan, can you explain how improbable it is for TCU 
with a head coach in year one to make it to the national championship. And I know Larry Coker, Gus Malzahn, they've done it. But those are major programs that were built to go to the distance. And we're talking about little TCU. Yeah, I think, Olivia, it's the most unlikely playoff team, period. And now to make the championship game all the more unlikely. TCU's a legitimate program in the Big 12 and sitting in a hotbed of talent mm-hmm. and football passion in Dallas-Fort Worth. But they were 5-7 and seven last year. Nobody's ever gone from unranked to the playoff. Yes, new coach who had had some success at SMU but really hadn't shown the chops to maybe compete for a national championship. They were picked seventh preseason in the Big 12, uh, and now they're one of the last two standing for the national title. So it's, it's a wildly improbable, very fun story. This sport doesn't really allow many Cinderella's. If we're going to call TCU a Cinderella, why is that? This sport, as we've seen, especially in the playoff era, there's a very small number of, of programs that have even competed for a title. It's right. been Alabama, it's been Clemson, it's been Ohio State, it's been Georgia, it's been Notre Dame, although Notre Dame hasn't made a championship game. So to crack that very small club is, is hard to do. And it's interesting, TCU has come a long way in a pretty quick amount of time. But they were in four different conferences starting in the mid-1990s. They were kind of a vagabond looking for their place. Their facilities weren't very good. And then they invested and they started building. And you go down there now. I mean, their stadium is just a treasure. It's fantastic. It's not huge, you know, maybe 40, 45,000, but it's beautiful. It's well-appointed. The suites look like something out of, like, the Roman Empire. Uh, They're so (laughs) opulent. And all the other facilities that go along with it, they have those too. And I think if you've got that and you can sell that in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and surrounding area, you're going to get players because there's a million of them there. And so – they have a, the ability to overcome that that underdog label that they've carried. So you were in Atlanta. You were covering the Georgia-Ohio State game. How did you watch the Michigan-TCU game? I know sometimes they have it on the Jumbotron, but that had to be consuming your thoughts at the time. Yeah, for sure. And yes, I was at the stadium, and it was kind of interesting. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a great place, and mm-hmm. they do have like the, the ribbon, video ribbon, basically, that goes around the upper level. And so you could see it up there, and it's huge and bright, but I also had it on a little screen next to me in the press box. And so you're kind of watching it both places at the same time. But the interesting thing about it was as the Ohio State fans started to come in, every time TCU did something big, they would roar because mm-hmm. they wanted to see Michigan lose. Of course. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting dynamic. And the players down on the field were starting to warm up. And at one point, like, TCU's making big play after big play – and the Georgia kickers and sports staff are all looking up, and Stetson Bennett's just doing nothing but warming up, throwing right. passes and stretching, and like he's totally oblivious to what was going on around him, which is, I think, one of the reasons he's been successful. Well, sticking with Stetson Bennett, you've covered him so much. In fact, the beginning of the season, that's when we brought you on to talk about your cover story on him. It was a great article. What did you see from him? Because he looked nervous. It was uncharacteristic. Yeah, you know, I think that, that there was some stuff that, Ohio State threw at him that they were not prepared for or comfortable with. You know, Ohio State changed up a lot of their defense from when we last saw them against Michigan. They played a little more soft in the back on the secondary, covered a little bit more there as opposed to just going hell-bent to try to rush. And I think that he was expecting some open throws that weren't there. And the longer he had to stand in the pocket and hold the ball, you could see that stress kind of getting to him. And, and he did not play well. He said afterwards, he said, I think I played about 30 minutes of just bad football. And I, you know, I don't think anybody would necessarily disagree with him. But 
as is always the case with Stetson Bennett, about when you're ready to say, oh, he can't do it, he does it. Do you know if there was any Pappy Van Winkle consumed after? Or does he wait till he, after he wins a natty for that? That's definitely going to be a post-natty thing, I think. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. That's what it was last year. Yeah, yeah, he had the friend from home that brought the Pappy. And I, I would imagine there will be another bottle of Pappy in L.A. on reserve if they do win. Ooh, I imagine so. Uh, how do you think, based on the vibe in the stadium, really, how the momentum changed after the no-targeting call that knocked Marvin Harrison Jr. out of the game? And did you agree with the call? I did agree with the call. I thought they did a good job. I thought you call it in real action, real real live uh, time. You mm -hmm. go back and review it. The replay official, the ESPN analyst, Matt Austin, both agreed, and I agreed with them that it was close, like a matter of inches, but it was not targeting. For one thing, he didn't launch. You know, he did not leave his feet to, to, to go attack the head with his head. He hit mostly shoulder to shoulder on Marvin Harrison. It was a vicious hit. But I think it was a clean hit. I think it was the right call. And it absolutely could help change the game. For one thing, he prevented Marvin Harrison from catching a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Second, he took their best player out of the game. And you hate to see that. You hate to see an injury. But it was a legal football play. And then thirdly, the fact that it was not targeting was huge because it, it did not give them a first down. Then they had to kick the field goal. And then after that, Ohio State's offense struggled a bit. To, they couldn't finish drives. And, and Georgia slowly crept back into the game. On the note of officiating, if you're a Michigan fan, do you have a valid argument that officiating kept you out of the championship? I don't think so. I mean, you can be really angry, first of all, about the, the overturned touchdown, sure. uh, which I think that was a bad call. But you get the ball first and goal on the one, and you fumble it without being hit. That's, that's on you. And then everything that transpired after that in terms of not being able to stop TCU and throwing other interceptions, that's on you. The non-targeting call at the end, look, that probably could have been called, but that doesn't win the game for them. It, it extends the game and gives them a tiny smidgen of, of a chance, but I don't know whether it really helps them that, you know, win the game. So, look, there, there's always controversial calls, bad calls, close calls. And if you're Michigan, you can't sit there and say, that cost us the game. They were favored by seven and a half points. They had many chances, mm -hmm. and they couldn't get it done. Yeah, it's, it's crazy watching it back that TCU never trailed. It didn't feel like it, watching it. Yeah. But uh, two great games, and really unprecedented seeing this on New Year's Eve. Only three of the 16 playoff games in history had been decided by a possession or less, and we got our money's worth on those two. Now that you've kind of sat back and reflected a bit on those two games, which outcome seems more unprecedented, more unlikely? I think I'd have to say TCU winning. Look, I was surprised. I thought Georgia was going to roll, and I thought Michigan was going to roll. Like you said, they were both phenomenal games and kind of what we've been waiting for ever since the playoff came into being. So that was great. But I think the, the real surprise to me was Michigan screwing up enough to lose and TCU just taking advantage of it and taking hold of that game and making the big plays. You know, so many of them. I mean, the pick sixes were huge, obviously, and those were really nice defensive plays. But their defense made several other big plays in the moment where they just were not going to get run over by that Michigan running game. And then they hit a couple of huge plays of their own on offense. They just rose to the occasion. And that's kind of who that team has been. I mean, I've loved watching them all year. They, you know, they've, they've flirted with losses so many times. And then they finally did lose in the Big 12 championship game. And I probably, like a lot of other people, thought, well, all right, they're out of pixie dust. And, you know, they're a good team, but they're not good enough. And, no, they're, they're still really good team. 
They're re- they're excellent. And so that was it was uh, it's very surprising, but really cool to see them win that game. On that note, what are your thoughts on these games being played on New Year's Eve? Do you think that's a good scheduling move? I know they're talking about changing it. I'm not a fan at all. And I remember Me I neither. was there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was at the announcement, whenever it was, 2012 or whatever, they were going to the playoff. And Bill Hancock from the College Football Playoffs sit there and said, we are going to remake the paradigm of New Year's Eve. And basically Oof, said, we're going to make America watch college football on a night when America parties. And <laughs> look, I'm sorry, that was arrogant. Because it, you know, yeah. there were, there were how many people, I mean, I'm sure you heard from them, who literally the Ohio State field goal at the end was kicked in 2022, landed in 2023. And people were like, screw that. I want to watch the ball drop. I want to celebrate the new year. And so the conflict there, which was created by the playoff committee, which was created by ESPN, just I think was was a very disservice to a lot of fans, especially casual fans that aren't going to build their whole life around watching two football games. I heard on your podcast, actually, the story of the balloons dropping in a Columbus bar and people couldn't see the outcome. And then they started stomping balloons once they heard. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. That's a tough time to try to celebrate a new year right there in Columbus. It is. It is. Yeah. You, you're not getting your new, your new Year's kiss after that one, I don't think. No. Let's talk real quickly about the matchup. Georgia opened as a 13-point favorite. Do you view this as David versus Goliath? Is the pixie dust, like you mentioned, going to run out on TCU? Yeah, I think 13 points is too much. I mean, mm. have you seen TCU? Right. They're really, really good. And again, their one loss, well, they, they scrapped and fought to get it into overtime. They did get it into overtime and came up a half a yard short of at least extending the game. So I think 13 is a lot. I do think if Georgia plays its A game, Georgia is better and Georgia will win and maybe win handily, maybe 10, maybe win by 14. I don't know. But we also, and, and, and the Georgia players, like were unanimous, like kind of disgusted that they didn't play very well against mm-hmm. Ohio State. So they know they can play better. We've all seen them play better. But TCU has some abilities to exploit what Ohio State did, what LSU did in the SEC championship game. I mean, they can throw the ball. Sure. They can, they've got a quarterback who can do that. They have a mobile quarterback as well. That Georgia defense in the secondary particularly doesn't play better. It's going to look a lot like the game against uh, Ohio State, I think, where it's like, whoever can make one big play at the end of the game. We saw so much scoring in those semifinal games, both overs hitting comfortably. Do you yeah. think we see more defense in the national championship? The over-under right now is 62 and a half. 62 and a half. I'd be uh-huh. leaning over, I think. There. Yeah. I just think Georgia's defense is good, but what we've seen against really good offenses here the last couple of weeks is they've been able to expose, last couple of games, expose some of the, shortcomings. They did lose five first round draft picks off that defense. So to ask them to come back and be able to just shut teams down again is probably too much. They look good enough in the regular season that you just think they've, they just keep churning them out, but it's not quite the same. And so you get up against elite personnel, elite scheme, elite quarterback, and it's tough. And so I expect TCU to be able to move and score, but I also expect Georgia to be able to move and score. And that's, you know, one thing that has Sometimes been a little bit lost is, I mean, Georgia's offense is really good. They've got players, three running backs, five wide receivers, two tight ends. We'll see whether Darnell Washington's coming back and a really good quarterback. So I think there's going to be a bunch of points. I would say over, you know, mid 60s in terms of a point total would, would probably sound right to me. It's interesting what you were just saying about the Georgia defense. When I covered them in the SEC championship, they kept saying, 
we're competing against last year's Georgia's defense. You know, we're not competing against other defenses in the country. It's it's interesting. They definitely had a chip on their shoulder. It'll be interesting to see how they come out Monday night. And so, Fi, do you have a final score prediction? Uh, I'm going to say Georgia 38, TCU 31. And we get a repeat right. champion for the first time in a decade. All right. All right. Pat Forty, thanks so much for joining us. We promised we'd get you on one more time before the natty, and this was a lot of fun. Thank you. My pleasure, Olivia. Thank you. Pat is so good. We're so glad he's a recurring guest. We had him early in the season. It's great to have him right before the national championship. Make sure to follow all of his coverage at SI and on Twitter. Follow him at ByPat40. He is a fantastic follow and great writer in the sport. So it's really great to be able to follow him and have him on the show. We're really glad he joined us. Next week, Jerry Ferrara, my co-host. He's back. We can't wait to get back into our Entourage segment. I have a lot of watching to do. I've got to get back. I've been slacking over the holidays, not watching my entourage. It's going to be a lot of fun. Follow BetMGM on all social media and on YouTube. We have every episode. If you want to watch the episodes, it's a lot of fun. You can kind of see our reactions in real time. But Happy New Year to everyone. Thanks for joining for this college football national championship preview. And we will see you next week. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.